0: Conversations connecting collectors and art enthusiasts, Audio galleries. GM friends. It has been a while. Welcome to episode twenty. Two zero of audio galleries, a rug radio production. Thanks to the rug radio handle for joining in with us. Also, thank you to our friends at OpenSea. I am Benjamin White now at Hello Ben White. I changed my handle, uh, your host. And we are back from a seven week hiatus to bring you a string of amazing interviews starting today with artworks leading to our series one finale in november if you have enjoyed the previous 19 episodes of audio galleries things are about to get hot and spicy and exciting in this audio galleries kitchen very quick disclaimer for you all this is not uh intended to and should not be treated as financial advice do your own research and stay safe in web 3 it is also a recorded spaces that will go on to become a published podcast so please do consider this when requesting to speak during this episode because it will be published regardless can you all once again i'm just going to put it out there retweet the pin post and drop comments in the chat bottom right um also let's keep it interactive so as of now i will start bringing some people up if you have anything insightful or humorous to add please join in raise a hand be kind be respectful any pinned tweets to the top is a boot down uh, and anyone who talks when hasn't been spoken to, also a boot down. Just laying it out there, being very, very clear with everyone. Episode 19, all those weeks ago, seems like a lifetime ago, with the wonderful Gavin Miller. Thanks to those who joined us and minted Gavin's work, a wonderful young artist in the space. Uh, share of revenue for artists minting with audio galleries is now over $200,000, which is just incredible. For context, if you are new here, Audio Galleries is an art-focused Web3 project working to connect emerging and established artists with a community of digital art collectors and enthusiasts. The show features an artist creating stunning art with a story to tell and making it available via the blockchain. I interview each guest and we learn more about their style, their inspiration, process, previous works and future plans. And then during the show, we launch an open edition mint with our friends at OpenSea. Art is provided, obviously, by our guests and available to purchase for between kind of $15 to $75, depending on, you know, what's going on. Audio galleries mint pass holders, who mint this piece, uh, will also be rewarded with additional exclusive pieces. More on that today when today's mint goes live, because we have um, additional airdrops, bear drops, all kinds of things going on, which I will explain. For more information on all of this, follow Audio Galleries on Twitter, join the Discord, and subscribe to the newsletter. Okay, our artist for today. I am excited about this one. You can probably tell by my voice. It's Stephen Bliss, a highly acclaimed artist, muralist, and illustrator who has cultivated an illustrious career spanning over three decades and three continents. As senior artist at Rockstar Games from 2001 to 2016, Stephen is attributed with establishing the highly recognizable illustrative style for the multi-billion dollar Grand Theft Auto franchise, the most lucrative entertainment product of all time. His skills have also extended to other highly lauded games, such as The Warriors, L.A. Noire, and Red Dead Redemption, producing game box covers, international magazine covers, posters, billboards, promotional merchandise, you name it. He's also produced an array of non-game-related artwork for Rockstar, contributing to the company's image as a creative powerhouse. Stephen's artistic expertise is not solely limited to the video game industry, though. Before joining, his distinctive design aesthetic secured projects as in-house artist with Japanese fashion brand Hysteric Glamour, Massive Attack, MTV, Nintendo, Pepsi, Sony, GQ, and Burton Snowboards. Additionally, Stephen has painted... Uh, comic strips for the Sunday Times, Sunday Telegraph, Guardian, and produced his own comic strips for Deadline Comics. Following his departure from Rockstar in 2016, Bliss has devoted bliss. <laughs> you could tell I'm reading it now. Stephen has devoted his energy to the pursuit of fine art, which I love, holding solo exhibitions in London, New York, L.A., and displaying his talent as a muralist in projects in New York City, Miami, and Guam. His latest project, Fear City, an NFT series uh, originally uh, with six characters, 3,333 unique creations, has grown into a 24-page comic NFT, VR social media filters, a Web3 clothing line with other IRL projects and collaborations, including one with Jeff Staple, one of our friends. Um, and uh, there's an upcoming issue of the Fear, physical Fear City comic with scout comics oh my goodness i could go on and on all we know is that uh he has and continues to captivate audiences inspire fellow artists worldwide firmly establishing himself as a celebrated icon in the art world Stephen bliss welcome to audio galleries
1: hi you know what that i I need to replay that every day when i wake up it was i started feeling really good yeah well
0: so you bloody well should
1: (laughs) well you know what it's like it's like i've only just really gotten over the imposter syndrome and hopefully that's inspiring to a lot of people because um i think a lot of artists feel like that and uh i think yeah i definitely gonna replay that every morning thank uh, you thank
0: you and i did say when i approached you about this i was kind of like I did play the whole kind of like dream come true card. Listen, like, as I said in a tweet yesterday, Grand Theft Auto particularly, like I knew you before I knew you and Grand Theft Auto and that artwork is so culturally um, in, like important to me. Like my teen years were spent playing those games with friends and that artwork is just like culturally so relevant to me. And I'm sure well, if it's the most successful Almost, what was it most lucrative entertainment product of all time to date um then yeah, well, well time, there yeah. must be millions and hundreds of millions of people that feel the same way as me so to have you on and to be able to talk to you about this kind of stuff is incredible um my friend lurk has come up who might drop a little question in um in a minute or, so, or two um hands up if anyone wants to but if anyone else wants to join the space please just request to come up and um Stephen is, I'm sure, happy to answer some questions once we get going. But why don't we start initially, Stephen? Uh, you know, never mind the fact that I just gave, I don't know what you could possibly tell us that I didn't just cover, but perhaps like a quick introduction about you by you. What can I say?
1: What's left? Um, <laughs> so I, I'm English. Um, I turned 60 this year. Um I have been here for 21 years in New York. I came over to do the GTA 3 cover. And um, of course, little did I know how in- incredible uh, GTA would blow up. You know, it's it's an unprecedented thing, really. Um, and then before that, I was living in London. And before that, I lived in Japan for four, four years in the 80s so that was that was kind of insane as well living there i've got a few stories to tell that i can't tell on this yeah you can
0: it's no hard (laughs) but okay well look why why don't we go back in time then because um and by the way i can't believe you're 60 this year um good moisturizer uh but yeah let's, (laughs) let's um Let's quickly go back in time. Like, why don't we talk about your origin story um, as an artist and designer? Like, you know, what age, what was the route in, who, what were your first gigs? Did you always know you wanted to do it? Let's, let's learn a little bit more about uh, a very young Stephen Bliss making his way into the art world.
1: Well, I always liked drawing, and I think it must have been um, just the result of boredom coming from a small town and you kind of like back then i had a football and i had paper and pens and that's how i would entertain myself and um as i grew up you know i won a few competitions for a kid you know little local stuff and thought i might be quite good but then when i saw queen on tv one day at the age of like 14 i thought what now i want to be a guitarist I want to be a pop star. <laughs> so, uh, and then punk happened, and I didn't need to actually learn to play the guitar, which was a great combination. Um, but I was too, you know, I had bands, and that's why I started doing graphics. People like Jamie Reed, um, Barney Bubbles, and those fantastic English punk designers back back in the day. You know, they made it look really not re- really easy, but it it really inspired. Pretty much a whole generation to make music and to make art and uh so i started off doing posters for my punk bands to advertise our gigs um and that passion of for just creating stuff just exploded really you know um and then I went to art college. But I was an undisciplined guitarist and I was pretty shit. And um, in fact, I've been told now by the band that they used to turn my guitar off when I was on stage, which was, it was just quite unfair, really. Wasn't it? <laughs> what, and you didn't know? <laughs> no, I had a suspicion. I thought I was just turned down a bit, but they'd
0: switched me off. <laughs> that is class. Oh, I love it. Um, yeah. So, so, well, this is, Amazing, and, and we'll talk a little bit about the the rock star gig shortly. I'm I'm, e- I'm interested to understand a little bit more then about like maybe the art scene, not not where you're from, uh, but the art scene that was around you then when you were growing up. Like, tell me a little bit about what inspired you. You've spoken about punk music, but what what inspired your uh, creative style?
1: I've always loved comics, and that's that's still very much an influence. So Marvel, like Spider-Man and the Hulk when I was growing up, I still have those comics from when I was a kid. But that, that whole kind of Grand Theft Auto box style, the frames, I mean, that pretty much came from me copying Marvel comics when I was a kid, and that stuck with me. And you can see that influence in those covers, you know, GTA 3 and Vice City they they like comic book pages um so very much comic books and then people like robert crumb robert williams and all those psychedelic artists from the 60s they also made art make they made stuff look accessible again so i would i would uh copy that style and that stuck with me throughout uh when i was working at hysteric glamour in japan um what else? Nothing. I mean, I've never really been a huge fan of what you consider like art that you would see in a museum. I've always mainly been into photographers and graphic designers and vintage posters, you know, um, European movie posters blow my mind because they they seem to have nothing to do with the movie. They just, <laughs> you know.
0: Well we'll get into that in a moment when we talk about the piece that's going live today because that's certainly inspired from that side of things. I know that you you've just mentioned you like you you spent some time in Japan. What what was going on there then and how has that fed into like your practice and and your artwork?
1: Well I've always been really embarrassed to say this but I I went over originally I was uh, as a model to do fashion shows. I was 6 months out of art college I'd moved from Brighton to London. And it was a kind of classic kind of thing of being discovered. My girlfriend, who was a model, was late to meet me. So I stormed into her agency, like, asking where she was. And six months later, I was flying over to Japan to do fashion shows. So that was, like, a fantastic opportunity. And I came, kind of gave up doing art for a while because the life being a model was such an easy way to earn money and a lot of fun. Uh, Then after a while... I bought my portfolio I wove from London and started showing it around. And there was one opportunity at Comte de Garçon, which luckily, when I look back, didn't come through. But the Hysteric Glamour picked me up. They they really loved what I did. And there was one, the head designer is called Noble Kitamura, who's a genius. And um, we just, we just, pretty much worked for three years together and didn't really go home very often. We would go back and watch movies. But uh, we it was, in, it was a crazy, like, three days of working with no sleep. Then we'd have a bowl of cornflakes, go to sleep for a few hours, and then go back <laughs> to the office, you know. Um, Sounds so like that, glory days. <laughs> yeah, glory days. I've been writing the book for a long time. I've got seven rejection letters from English publishers, uh, which I'm very proud of. Which i actually need to print those out and um, frame them. <laughs> uh, but I actually like thought, no, don't do this. Don't write this until your son. You know, my son's fourteen right now, and he doesn't need a role model with those stories out there. So uh, I'm going to wait sure. till he's about twenty-five.
0: You know, okay, and then he'll be proud. Uh, t- tell <laughs> me then about the the japanese culture uh, during that period and and uh, what you were enjoying out there from a creative point of view i mean obviously fashion sounds like it was the kind of the number one but w- what have you then pulled in or what did that period of your career kind of like teach you
1: well i we were constantly being inspired by robert crumb and those psychedelic artists always studying what they were doing and and emulating our versions of of that art form we were very inspired by Andy Warhol and the whole factory scene the whole attitude of the factory scene um constantly kind of like taking notes and 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 sketching and just constantly writing down ideas uh obviously manga and anime which is still a big influence influence on me cuz my son's a big big fan of one piece and and uh jojo's jojo bizarre adventures if i got the name right but it's great that he's turning me back on to anime you know cuz it's so weird and it's in it, the narratives are so different to uh western narratives o- over here everything needs has to make sense and it has to follow a certain um structure but in japan it's more about kind of experience visual experience and that was very inspiring when i was there there was you know some, such weird stuff i was watching that didn't necessarily make sense i guess it's in the same way that eastern european poster art doesn't make sense it's just visually incredible you know
0: absolutely and i love that and uh, and i love how that uh, I, I i i get the feeling that some of that has has come into your rock star days I want to move on to that in a second before we get to there though let's talk about your artistic process itself like how do you create are you a painter are you a digital artist are you a sketcher are you all of the above do you do you know <laughs> sculpture like what what's your practice look like
1: I do a hell of a lot of different stuff and I put it down to being a Gemini because I'm not schizo I'm just like I think it must be Gemini and I I get very bored with artists that always make the same looking art with the same style and I've always wanted to be like if I see an artist I really like I'm like I want to try and do something like that you know so I'm always experimenting in my spare time I get like old brown kind of score musical scores from the 1920s and 30s and I'm I'll paint directly onto them in black ink, usually like beautiful women or strange looking men or whatever, um, directly onto the covers. Um, and what else? If I'm gonna do a commercial piece of art, I've gotta do a black and white rough to show the client what it's gonna look like and then do a rough color and then start working up the the uh, final art on the computer. Um, But I did go through a phase after Rockstar of just doing fine art and I would, what I was doing was ripping down huge chunks of uh, advertising posters that were damaged and weathered from hoardings around um, New York downtown and I would take these huge chunks to the studio and then I would chop them up and put them onto canvas and then cut into the the surface of these kind of battered posters and paint over the top. So I did that for about three years and had some good shows, um, which I may go back to. But after a while, I was kind of like, I got into NFTs, I guess.
0: And I've seen it. that work on your website. It is pretty cool, actually. I, I love that, that side of your practice. And the fact that you are so versatile, I think, is what is so... Um mysterious and and I, I mean that like my expectation initially would have been that like the the rock star grand theft auto style was just your thing and that was your thing and you rolled out your thing and that was it but actually there's uh there, there are, there's much more to your um your portfolio your your work and i would implore anyone to check out your website because um you can see it all up there and i've poured over it the last few weeks while we've been preparing for this show Okay, Uh, I want to get into it now. I'd like to know more about Rockstar, and I I don't like. I appreciate like a single body of work can't define you, but this for me was just like when I was introduced to you, I was just like, you know, wide-eyed and uh, and full of enthusiasm, and so I would love to know a little bit if you can what you can share um, about like how the Rockstar gig came about what it was like to create in that business uh, over such a long period of time and how it felt when that franchise exploded the way it did.
1: Yeah, the, having some versatility really helped me at Rockstar because, I, you know, every time we did a new game, the brief was do something the same but different and it didn't make a lot of sense to me for a while. Of course, it now does because you look back at all those covers and, um, you know they're Rockstar covers. Even if you didn't know who Rockstar was, you would know that they all belong to the same company, but the styles are very different. Um, and I love the progression of, like, the GTA 3 cover that was so, you know, it had, like, three co- colors on the cover, maybe, and black. Mm. And slowly, you build up to GTA 5, which was beautifully photographic, you know, which and it kind of paralleled the quality, I guess, of the the uh, games you know
0: yeah like the progression of the games
1: but i feel those early ones i keep getting the impression the early ones that seem to be really popular i don't i'm not sure why but they really resonate with people i guess that we were really doing something very different back then in, in 2001 everything was kind of very airbrushed um, and be, uh, screenshots from games that were kind of airbrushed. And we came along. It was kind of like a punk thing. And I think Sam took a big risk on on releasing that cover because it was so different at the time. Um, just to have that very broken down, monotone cover, you know. It made it, uh, like,
0: iconic though, right? And And, you know, in the middle of that, you had the Vice City, kind of like Miami pastel colour, white suits uh Lamborghinis I remember I remember the character names but like I think I, I agree with you I think it was absolutely the fact that what you were creating there when it came to like console games because these games weren't online games at the time 2001 you were still buying a, a, yeah. a disc <laughs> and playing it on your own um, or with friends who were in the room and it was just so immersive for the first time ever you felt like you were being transported into a world, into a metaverse in a sense. Like I remember when San Andreas came out and the idea that you could spend 45 minutes driving from one side of the game to the other side of the game without actually having to do anything was just mind-blowing. And I I think that that gameplay difference or differential, you know, totally came across also in the artwork and and the storyline, the narratives that were being created. Um, Were you briefed? On characters, or did you work with them to create the characters?
1: No, they they gave me briefs of all the characters. the The iconic women weren't; they were kind of like something that I came up with, and they became the you know the front icons of the games, really. And they, I don't think. I mean, Misty was in GTA Three; she was the first iconic woman, and then you have Martini Girl; she wasn't in in Vice City then you had um who was the next one oh yeah my ex-wife DTA4 the uh lollipop girl that was my ex wife <laughs> just a quick weird story a day I got married we were driving to the reception and there was a poster of me who was you know I was posing for the Nico Bellic uh iconic picture of of you know the one where he's staring you in the eyes and Punching his own hand, kind of gripping his own gloved hand. There was a post of me modelling that one, and then next to that was my wife sucking on a lollipop. And then she was she was on like that big Barry billboard, big po- you know billboard of her, and it was kind of like very very surreal. Um, so anyway, my point what being with the women were not part of the games. I don't think, but the uh, all the other characters were. They were. I was briefed on who they should be.
0: Amazing. Um, I, uh, I, so when it, when it exploded the way it did, like, what was it like working with that team? Was it always remote? Were you in the offices with them? Like what, what was the, what was that like? Because it must've been really uplifting to know that you were now part of something that was just exploding in the space.
1: Yeah. um, It was pretty amazing. It was very hard work and Rookster are famous for, um, their work environment and and you know i personally i i loved it i didn't mind doing long hours i mean i i think i worked longer hours in japan and i've always been a complete complete workaholic so we were like our own little community uh, just uh completely immersed in the rock star world um but it was a very strange environment sometimes because you would occasionally we'd have like uh guys with Security guards with guns on the door because people had threatened to come and kill us. Or, you know, there's one guy who thought he was Nico from GTA Four, and that we had ripped him off, and he was going to come in and kill us because he he, he wanted some money for us stealing his his personality, which which was weird because of wow. course, kind of like Lindsay Lohan suing us for that uh, famous. Uh, the painting of the girl being arrested, where the cop by the car—like it's nothing to do with her, you know.
0: Yeah. Did uh, were there any um, come back from like there were some real characters in in a few of the games that were like uh, the lawyer who was clearly based on Sean Penn in Carlito's Way, and uh, and there's a, there's a few others where you look at the character and you're like, I recognise that character. Like, were there ever any? Uh, was there ever any kind of like pushback? in that sense, or, or you know, was it fairly kind of like, you know, was it giggled at by people in the industry?
1: I don't think there was any pushback at all. I mean, they they um, employed a lot of famous people. I think the first company to consciously employ famous people to do voiceovers, and some of those characters looked like the real actors. Um, but, you know, it was, it was kind of like... Uh, You know the GTA games were fantastic parodies, weren't they? There was always and I think legally you can, if you parody something,
0: the copyright
1: was kind of slack.
0: Amazing! I remember those uh, those soundtracks too, like the radio stations in the vehicles you could drive around, and like I still listen to those soundtracks on YouTube sometimes. Like I listen to uh, some of the radio stations (laughs) just because that that I must have listened to them for hours on end when I was playing the game, and so. There's something comforting about it. Um, Stephen, uh, I'm so grateful for you going into that. I don't want to just keep on going with the rock star thing, but I'm really grateful for you actually taking the time to go in depth on it. I know, you know, it must sometimes be quite frustrating uh, that people want to know so much about that. And there's so much more to you. Um, I do have a little announcement, though, and that is... Artist Edition is live, and that is that. If folks go right now to OpenSea, and you only need to go OpenSea.io because it's there on the homepage, uh, you can now go and mint Synpetica by Stephen Bliss, which is a beautiful artwork, which I can't wait to talk to you about in a second. I'm going to just go over a few details about the mint. So it's an open edition mint, which means the community will determine the supply. Uh, It's not a fixed supply, uh, so as many people can mint as many of them as they would like, and when it closes after 72 hours, that is when we will know how many uh, the collection is made up of. Um, It's a single artwork, so all artworks will be the same. There's no like reveal afterwards. Um, uh, However, (laughs) holders of either the uh, Audio Gallery's mint pass or holders of Stephen's own uh, Fear City NFT collection um, will also be um, given a little treat should they mint this collection. So they will need to actually mint um, a piece, but um, for however many they mint, if they pair them with one of those other NFTs, so either an Audio Gallery's Mint Pass or an a Fear City NFT, they will be uh, receiving a and we, i've coined it a bear drop um they'll be airdropped there's one of three artworks that steven has created which are these wonderful bear characters that are from the fear city universe um, so if you mint one of them and you own one other then you can uh you'll receive one of those bears if you own two and two there's two if you own three and three three you'll get all three artworks i'll make sure of it If you own like six and you meant six, then you'll get like two of each, if you know what I mean. Like I'll work it through very carefully so that people will receive an even amount. You won't just receive three of the same artwork. I'll make sure that it's all spread out. But there are three wonderful airdrops um, and this main piece. So before we get into that, um, 72 hours from now, which means it closes today's Thursday. So Friday, Saturday, Sunday evening. Um, So you have plenty of time to do it. And the price is 0.022 Ethereum. It's minting right now. Um, Thank you to our friends at OpenSea for all of your support getting this live. And also thank you for hosting it on the homepage banner. Really, really amazing and very lucrative real estate in the world of NFTs right now, I can tell you. I'm very, very grateful. And it's great to see so many people already out there purchasing. We're at 160 already minted, which is fabulous.
2: that's
0: yeah. Cute. I know, amazing. Um uh so Stephen, it is a really, really cool artwork, Sinpetica. Why don't you give us a little bit of an overview of it and maybe some of the inspiration behind it? Because I'm sure uh, people would love to hear about that.
1: It's um I've always this might sound a bit arrogant, but I've always set out in, in when I started in NF3 NFT's, you know, Web3 two years ago to do the best art there is in web three and i've been kind of like pissed off that no one is actually well not enough people have seen the art in the past two years and kind of reacted as strongly as i want them to so with this poster it's kind of i call it a poster because it's not a pfp it's it's a piece of art that you can put on your wall on a screen and just have their you know like a poster permanently it's. I wanted to make it the most detailed piece I've done in the past two years. Um, it's a lot of intricate little things going on. It's based on the same kind of James Bond vibe of a classic action movie from the 70s. Um, this, the storyline is based around Sympetica. That's a kind of Apple-type tech company who make these beautiful hybrid animal robots and they are fabulous new pets that do everything they're you know powered by AI um they clean they cook they're a therapist they tell you jokes they play music they do everything that they're kind of like most apps kind of rolled into one animal who goes to cuddles you and says, "I love you," and kind of like perceives what mood you're in and says the right gives you the right compliment to suit your mood so there's all you know it's kind of. But of course, they're, what's going to go wrong is they're programmed to destroy First City at some point. So it's kind of like a parallel of how we, we love AI at the moment. I think most people actually like in awe of it when they play with it. But there's a lot of people that are scared of it. I don't believe it will destroy, AI will destroy us, because I kind of think robots are pretty crap. Um, they're limited. <laughs> they might get better, but I don't think so. They, they they'll, they'll never be as good as humans, but any um, so that's the that's the basis of the poster, an evil tech company out to destroy us with AI. I love it,
0: and uh, and uh, you've had this in mind right for some time, and yet in the time it's taken you to have the opportunity to to want to bring it to market, the rise and rise of AI has been happening all around us, right.
1: Yeah, it's funny. I I mean, there's been a couple of situations recently where I'm like, I need to get this story out there. I I wrote it like two years ago when I first started with NFTs. And when the guy who was backing Fear City asked me to write a roadmap, I didn't know what he was talking about. I thought he meant like storylines. So I wrote storylines for the next four NFT releases for the next four years. Uh, back in whenever it was, two years ago. And the third story is Sympetica, where the pets take over Fear City and destroy it. Um, I actually wanted to do destroy all characters in Fear City on the first uh, Genesis drop, but he kind of put me off the idea. I was like, I can do another 100 characters. Let's just destroy them all, because no one's done that before. So it took me two years to destroy them all
0: um what was i gonna what was i gonna say uh i'm not sure but maybe the bears <laughs> let's talk about those two because there are then three bears that we're looking to we're, we're going to be airdropping to people who uh purchase um one of the Sympeticas and also hold um a combination of other nfts so what's the inspiration are the bears part of the ai uh robot pets yeah the bears
1: are the first kind of um the hybrid pets so they uh, there's three different versions. They're all wearing different accessories that you can buy online on the Sympetica website. Of course, that's fictional. But just as you have uh, I, iPad, iPod, can't whatever. Um, God, that shows my age. <laughs> iPod. <laughs> uh, but what am I like? Ooh, but I know you,
0: I, I know what you mean, though, right? So these are the accessories you can buy yeah. for your uh, your pets
1: fictional accessories that's right um and these are mark one bears i mean in the two in the year and a half i've been doing the artwork i have trashed the the first two levels of animals because i didn't think they were good enough so the actual mark three pets that no one has seen yet were supposed to be released next year with a huge uh platform that are going to be making a... I don't know if they are anymore, but they'll be releasing a big platform. And this was going to... The pets was going to be a big drop with them. But these are kind of Mark 1 pets. And I went back to them. I thought, I really like these. And the bears actually came from when we did an airdrop with uh, our community members. And there were seven pets, I think, that I did as little badges that we airdropped uh, to people, depending on uh, how many... Fist city nfts you had so i don't know what the i think the bear might be a gangster badge and i think it was like if you have over 10 Fist city nfts you got the bear gangster badge um and i really loved the bear character and i i, I developed a storyline based on the bears that they the zoo is dilapidated in Fist city and the animals start forming their own street gangs because is very much like based on warriors where you have the different street gangs and the bears start going missing, and it's it turns out that Sympatica is stealing them from the zoo and making hybrids of them, implanting them with with AI and <laughs> you know robots. <laughs> I love it. So, so it came from you know kind of uh, accidental, serendipitous kind of stumbling of you know. I guess that's how the working process always goes, doesn't it? Stumbling I love it. Well,
0: we are. Um, very, very grateful that you have chosen to mint them with us at Audio Galleries. Uh, Sigrid and I this week have had so much fun, like uh, playing around with the artwork, and uh, Sigrid's done an amazing job as well of creating, like, working with you to create banners and all of these things. And uh, and yeah, thank you so much. It's really, really amazing artwork. Um, and yeah, we're very, very grateful. Uh, there are a few others on stage right now so we've got lurk um and golden from uh rug radio if you guys have a question raise a hand guys but i'm gonna i'm gonna take uh steven through a couple of additional questions but i'm gonna let lurk ask a question first because here he is hey lurk how you doing oh yeah the lads what's going on like <laughs> hi lurk <laughs> Lurks Jordan? Like... <laughs> All right. <laughs> no That's... i just wanted to say like i mean pretty impressive resume man um I'm kind of getting up into that age range myself so it's it's really impressive to see your career and
1: I'm really stoked for you but uh in that resume though I didn't hear how good of a dancer you were so what's your dance (laughs) moves like? I I, I was actually really good when I was younger at least I thought I was um because it was you know I came out of disco era so when I was like 12 Saturday Night Fever was really big and I learned all the moves from Saturday Night Fever and I actually got a white suit and would go to discos and do John Travolta moves.
0: (laughs) I mean we all like to write our own reviews (laughs) Stephen.
1: (laughs) what really and then (laughs) and then when I went to art college it was like uh what was it house music and I actually really enjoyed dancing at that point so uh but I, I I needed to actually stop doing the spins, you know, when you did the, the 360, because, you know, well, I only fell over once doing a John to 360, but, uh, you know, you've got to go for it, haven't you? So, I love that. I love that. I actually won a couple of dance competitions when I was at Art College at the Student Union in Barnsley. So that was that was fun.
0: <laughs> you can always rely on Lurk for a completely unrelated, hilarious question. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. i very grateful
1: just wondering if lurk had the trophies (laughs) no just just the bottle of lambrini
0: i just downed it nice thank you lurk um hey magpie how's it going i haven't seen you for a while
3: hey it's going fantastic uh Feel free literally to boot me right back down to speaker in a second. I mean, to listener, if you want to, I'm literally just got off of my flight to go to my sister's wedding, but I saw this space was today and I, you couldn't not come in and say, Hey to Steven and wish him the best of best of best of luck on this. Cause I've been there at the beginning when he was building all this stuff. These ideas are fantastic and it's so cool to see him getting to put them out. And it is, I'm rambling. Good luck. Kick butt. And uh, yeah. feel free to my butt. <laughs> I
1: love Mike he's one of my He's one of my favorite people. We started off really like a controversial kind of like fallout on the first day of the Genesis drop, but then became really good friends and you know, hooked up as and worked together on Fear City. He, you know, you he, he's uh, Magpie, you're like going to be as I've said before a massive force in NFT and Web3. If you're not already, which I think you are, but you're going to be is. like a Gary Vee one day,
3: damn. that's incredibly kind um i I, i'm not here at all to do any of my shit like literally i'm doing interesting stuff which is not for this audio file but just seriously keep kicking butt out there steven and i wanted to say before my exhausted brain reminds myself not to i've got posters of you signed up on my bedroom i've been doing this since before it was cool so get out there and mint this stuff guys it's really cool
0: thank you that's amazing thank you really really appreciate it i've I've got a couple of questions we've got fifteen more minutes, Stephen if that's all right with you so uh-huh. um one of them that I've got is i'm gonna take it take the level down a little bit again and uh I'm going to get um you know we're gonna get we're gonna get personal and we're gonna connect here but i I want to know like what being an artist a creative um means to you and and what it means to you to kind of like build. Uh, a legacy with um with a fan base
1: Mm. well i it's a constant struggle to be honest um i obviously am grateful that i can spend my days making art and a lot of the time i'm making art for myself which is difficult to finance but i seem to be doing it and have been doing it for many years and i need to appreciate that but it's a struggle um and to be honest, if I was a lecturer at a college, the, the, yeah, I'd probably survive one day at college as a as a teacher, because I would tell everyone to leave and not. <laughs> <laughs> if you like, all right, I'll change that. I would say if you're not going to work your ass off, if you're not going to be completely and utterly two hundred percent committed and be prepared to make sacrifices and work really, really hard, you should leave right now and save your parents some tuition money. And then just get the slackers out because it's hard work.
0: I love that. And I think that ethic is really, really, like, apparent in pretty much every single artist that we've had come up on audio galleries. Like, the work ethic, the... I'm not going to say struggle, although sometimes struggle, but just the uh, the single-minded determination to turn up every day, even when they're on their own, and keep creating and keep plugging away um, is something that just comes through in artists who are making great shit. And it comes through so clearly every single time. It's been like the one common denominator that we've had all the way through the series. So... Um, I love that. And uh, I'm really, um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm not surprised at all, Stephen.
1: It's, uh, it's a strange existence because on the one hand, without getting dramatic, art for me, sometimes it's been a salvation. Um, when, I mean, I can completely immerse myself in work and love doing it and not have to, and kind of like to the point where I'm cut off from, friends and i don't date i haven't dated for 10 years since i got divorced and it's kind of like i'm happy with that because i do my work i create i look after my son and it's kind of like it's it's that's what i do i make art and i make a lot of art and maybe i I i work too much you know but on the other hand it's like i with this poster I feel it's good enough. I like it. I love that, that image. And when I look at it, it strikes me like, wow, that's actually really good. But I can't say that for all of my work. In fact, I I mean, I'll work for weeks and weeks and scrap versions, fully painted versions just because it doesn't hit me in the face. If something doesn't give me a gut punch that I do, I'm kind of like, right, I'm going for the gut punch, you know? Um, yeah. So it's it's really really like a conflicted existence, which is why I think it's it's uh, a challenge to be an artist, and why they end up killing themselves. <laughs> well, uh,
0: I um, I I'm not going to say I can relate, <laughs> but look, <laughs> do you do you feel the same? Because I know lurk is a wonderful illustrator and, and artist, uh, Stephen. You should check his work out. Oh, yeah. But look, yeah, look, do you have the same the same feeling?
1: Yeah, I mean, I. Don't,
0: I i don't know what i'm gonna i'm painting right now like i just fucking work man I, I grew up working i'll always work and i'll probably fucking die with a paintbrush in my hand to be honest i love that um golden i don't know you've come up from rug radio so pleased to have you up i don't know if there was anything you wanted to add um, i'm gonna ask my uh final question in a moment but if there was anything by all means unmute yourself and and say hello um,
2: hello, hello everybody. I'm, I am just enjoying this conversation, and, and uh, <laughs> that that was a very funny sentiment from the artist there at the <laughs> end. Um, I, I am curious about your your involvement with our our Web three and NFT digital space here compared to traditional markets and promoting something that you might have created with those markets. Like, how has your experience been so far? I know it's new, it's fresh, and Probably a lot different than normal, but how how would you compare, or just how has it been overall? Like your experience dealing with all of this.
1: Uh, I don't want to be negative again after after what talking about being an artist, but it's been a, it's been a struggle Web three, and, and I think there's not one person in Web three that wouldn't agree with that. I think everyone say it's be it's it's a very difficult space to work in. Um. We're definitely not in the glory days at the moment. Um, the only positive thing I can say about the bear market is the fact that I've been able to develop uh, Fierce City under the radar. Uh, and when the market comes back, or if the market comes back, I'll have this fully beefed out IP ready to, uh, you know, ready to go. Because um, you know I have ambitions. For this to cross over into Web three, it has to cross into Web three and into movies and games and TV shows, uh, merchandise, toys. If I don't aspire to that and try and achieve that Web two kind of uh, regular um, outlets for cartoons, then it's kind of a bit pointless because Web three, right now, as we know, is is kind of uh, it's it seems to be sinking, and I and I hope. i'm wrong i'm hoping it comes back i hope the glory days return you know um i've had a lot of personal experiences with um falling out with backers um falling out with people and like tech going wrong with both both of my previous drops you know two hours where people couldn't buy the nfts because the tech was shit um little experiences like that um have really pissed me off and i and i think we're all kind of like really earning our dues. Whoever's still in Web3 and has been in here for longer than a year or two years certainly deserves a medal at some point because we're really, you know, we're we're, uh, working through a very difficult period. I don't know if you would agree. It's definitely not unicorn and rainbows, is it? No. (laughs) Golden,
0: go (laughs) for it.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely not. But I think it's it's. Uh, I, I mean, I really appreciate your candidness and and being <laughs> being honest about your experience uh, because I think a lot of people need to hear that. And maybe you know, if we can get this message out to some some more traditional artists, like just understanding that it's 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 a real thing, right? Like it's not uh, like you said, r- butterflies and rainbows, but there is something to it, and there is the, the hope and dream that we're there's going to be a, a greener grass that we're growing on the other side there. but I appreciate you you creating art and I appreciate you having the drop here with us man. so thank you
1: Thank you yeah Thanks, let, Golden. On a more positive note really uh, I, I just see that NFTs are transitioning into something practical now. people want to know what they actually do and a utility obviously is a good start. Um, but it's gonna develop into video games. It's gonna develop into musicians being able to sell tickets directly to their fans and not have to pay Ticketmaster like 95% of whatever the profit from tickets. You know, those kind of functional uses of NFTs are gonna be huge at some point. What what NFT artists selling NFTs need is a huge platform that make it really, really easy for normal people to buy them. Because right now, the tech just eliminates 99% of the world from bothering to kind of even set up a Metamask wallet, you know?
0: 100%. The UX of Web3 is, for me, like, and should be for, in my opinion, pretty much anyone functioning within it, participant, artist, artist, uh dev whoever you are the ux uh is for me the the number one priority um yeah
1: i think if if uh, a platform with a lot of money could set that up whereby you know normal people could just buy an nft within 3 minutes and not getting frustrated as opposed to 6 hours trying to set up a metamask wallet ends a bit of marketing to convince people why do they need to buy an nft why does their life need an nft uh i mean i think companies have managed to market flavored water to people when people could just drink water from a tap or people buy rocks for money i.e crystals have magic powers so if we can convince people to buy a rock as something that has magic powers, we can convince people that a JPEG has a great value as a digital digital collectible in their lives, then you're going to have the the whole market rebooted and it might go back to previous prices, you know?
0: Imagine if we were on stage with two such businesses that were capable of doing such things.
1: <laughs> yeah, it seems pretty <laughs> obvious to <you>. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Look at you, (laughs) OpenSea. I'm I'm only teasing, Sabrina. Um, OpenSea have been very, very helpful to me, I can tell you that much. Um, Okay, well, look, guys, uh, uh, we are running close. I I want to finish up, and I think, Stephen, you've just touched on it, in a sense, where um, you've talked about the fact that you're really beefing up the narrative so that you are good to go i know a few people in the space right now who are saying like i'm not minting shit i'm waiting and i'm building up the most wonderful narrative so that when the time is right we can go and we can kick on it, yeah. it feels like great advice um but i've got a question in here which is like plans for the future maybe in web3 and out of web3 but like what what is what's the plan because uh, uh you know we are there, you've got such a huge fan base and such an iconic style. It would be wonderful to hear that you've got other irons in the fire.
1: Yeah. So apart from establishing Fizz City as, a, as an IP and a cartoon in traditional uh, ways um, and even kind of, you know, I mean, I have like three or four movie scripts, I guess everybody does, but I actually have been working on them for t- two or three years Um that are ready to go, and I want to get into immersive spaces with uh, experiences with Fear City. So I'm going to go for all of this. You know, I'm not going to just talk about it. And I actually have the product almost ready to go. Um, and I'm having meetings with these people. Most people are full of shit, though. They're kind of like the number of people that have told me, "Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna invest loads of money in Fear City," or "Yeah, we want to make a TV show, or whatever." And it's like I believe them, and it's uh, and then the, you know, and it's like that's it. Tumbleweeds. You never hear from them again. So I'm going to make all that real with Fear City. That has to be number one. But also, you know, I'm doing a mural painting in uh, next month in Illinois. I want to do a lot more murals because that's nothing that AI can touch. I think the mural market will always be there, and it's it's fun to do and a fun way to travel.
0: Amazing. Uh, Yeah, I I think I I think uh, I think Golden said it well. He said, "Thank you for your candidness." Um, I uh, I knew that you, having spoken to you a few times now, I knew that you were like you know straightforward, and uh, you would really commit to like how you felt in this interview, and I have not been disappointed, and I hope. The folks in the audience haven't been disappointed too because this really has been quite fascinating um yeah you know it. uh i don't know i
1: used to get told off by my team back in the early days for what i was saying on podcasts and twitter spaces and stuff and they'd be like you can't you can't do that you gotta be all kind of chirpy and bright and whatever and it's kind of like well it doesn't didn't feel authentic you know it's kind of like and also humor comes out realism doesn't it a hundred percent you know you could see what i've said today as something negative and you could say that i'm i'm a dreary kind of bore or you could say like well he's just saying is it it as as it is you know what i mean but i always try and try funny within that negativity
0: i think funny and dreary is a really really good british trait and it's something that we all do really well
1: Yeah, I love love the English. I really always love hanging out with English people because they're just so funny and they love swearing as well. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, on that, uh, I'm going to wrap it there. It has been absolutely fantastic to speak with you. I want to thank the people at OpenSea. I want to thank the people at Rug Radio. Um, Thank you to my colleague Sigrid, uh, who is there behind the Audio Galleries account also, an amazing job of helping to market and uh and a wonderful co-founder with me of audio galleries Stephen. i don't know if there's any final words you wanted to say but i just want to say to you really this has been a bit of a dream come true in terms of being able to work with and to uh, do something cool with someone who i appreciate so much and whose work i hold in such high regard so thank you very much for agreeing to join us um i'm really really delighted with that anything yeah. from you
1: yeah, thank you for having me on. I appreciate you giving me this opportunity. Thank you, Zigree, for helping. And I also want to show, you know, say that OpenSea, I'm very grateful for their help with this drop uh, and for putting us on the front page. I'm really happy about that. So, you know, thanks for all your hard work, Ben, and for having me on.
0: Amazing. Um, so people, there are now, I don't know, 20... Uh, 71 and a half hours sorry left to to mint if you go to openc.io right now it's on the homepage there you can check it out um it will drop down into the notable collections soon enough um and uh and you can also go to the uh audio galleries discord and it's in official links 0.022 ethereum um and there are up to 262 already which is amazing thank you so nice. much to everyone who's minting um, and then we've obviously got that wonderful bear drop afterwards where we've got those characters and on that note uh, I want to say thank you to everyone and GM uh, and it's uh, Sin Petica and we've got Pets by uh, Porno for Pyros uh, a great uh, track choice Stephen, thank you, going to play everyone out but GM to all, have a wonderful uh, evening great Friday, wonderful weekend and we'll catch you all again next week where we have the wonderful uh, Ricardo Cavallo uh, who will be joining us and he's up in the audience right now um, for a generative edition. And I'm really, really also looking forward to that. So thanks everyone. Appreciate your patience this last six, seven weeks. It's great to be back. Thank you for all your support and we will see you very soon. Conversations